welcome to the Vespasian Warner Public Library District podcast. The tornado outbreak of May 15th and 16th of 1968 spawned 46 tornadoes spread across 12 states, including Illinois, killing 72 people and injuring over 1,200 more, and causing more than $52 million in damages. In DeWitt County, one of these tornadoes cut a straight line from west to east that spanned nearly the entire width of the county, touching down just south of Waynesville and traveling through Wapella before lifting up just south of Farmer City for a total of 25 miles. This tornado caused about $2.5 million in damages, caused 50 injuries, and killed four people. Though DeWitt County was no stranger to strong storms, the devastation from this tornado was felt for years. On the afternoon of May 15, 1968, a low-pressure system crossing the Midwest began producing severe weather. Smaller tornadoes began to sprout as early as 3 p.m. in Minnesota, Kansas, and Illinois. During the 4 o'clock hour, two F5 tornadoes struck in Iowa, killing 18 people. The local weather forecast that appeared in the journal on that fateful day read, showers and thunderstorms ending and becoming cooler tonight. On that same page, there was also a UPI weather watch notice, a tornado watch effective from noon until 6 p.m. for northern and west central portions of Illinois. The watch area was a line north of Quincy through Pekin to 20 miles southeast of Kankakee. Dewitt County was not included in that watch. During the 5 o'clock hour of May 15th, the low-pressure system spawned seven tornadoes across Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri, and Illinois, including the tornado that would damage Waynesville and Farmer City and tear apart Wapella. As the evening wore on, more and more tornadoes popped up across multiple states. Four tornadoes, including two F4 twisters, tore apart Arkansas late that night, killing a total of 45 people. Four more people died in another late-night Illinois tornado that hit Freeburg. Other tornadoes struck in Ohio, Tennessee, and Mississippi. By the next day, the low had weakened, and the tornadoes that spawned in Texas and Oklahoma were much shorter and weaker, doing far less damage. At 5 o'clock on May 15, 1968, a tornado touched down just south of Waynesville, Illinois. Homes, businesses, and trailers were either damaged or destroyed. It was reported that the windows of every house in town were blown out. Four people ended up hospitalized with injuries. One little boy was reportedly sucked out of the window of a trailer before the trailer itself was thrown 75 feet with its remaining two occupants, a 12-year-old girl and a baby. The trailer was reduced to a pile of rubble, and the toddler was found some 20 feet away from where the trailer had landed. Miraculously, all three children survived with only minor cuts and bruises. The Waynesville Library, however, wasn't so lucky. The building was completely destroyed. Books and bricks scattered everywhere. Telephone and power cables were snapped, the force of the wind wrapping them around their poles. Fences were rolled up with parts of buildings in the center. The nine-mile stretch from Waynesville to U.S. 51 featured a swath of destruction, including three farm homes and 13 outbuildings. One of the farms that had been hit by a tornado just two years prior was destroyed once again, losing the house, several large buildings, machinery, and sadly some livestock. 
The DeWitt County Sheriff's Office had a difficult time responding to the town as roadways were blocked by downed lines and flooded streets. The only way into town was by the Waynesville Wapella blacktop, which was strewn with bits of building, furniture, and uprooted trees. As bad as the damage to Waynesville was, it was only going to get worse. They had no warning. At 5.15 p.m., the tornado hit Wapella, destroying or damaging nearly every building in town. Though the official rating for the twister was an F1, it's said that it caused F4 damage. Power poles were plucked out of the ground and tossed 200 feet. High-voltage towers were crumpled like tin. Power lines were down all over town, and gas lines were out. Trees were broken and uprooted. Debris-like lawn furniture was found tangled in those that remained standing. Thorpe Seed Company took a hit as all of the buildings sustained some kind of damage. The new sorting building sustained quite a bit of damage and the seed storage building lost its entire north wall as well as much of its corn and bean seeds. However, the workers were able to take cover. Bray's soil service office was destroyed, the large tanks blown over and the wagon tanks scattered over a sizable area. The Hazenwinkle Wallace elevator also sustained damage. Part of the Irish Circle pub collapsed. The upper portion of Helen's Cafe also caved in. The corner cafe sustained serious damage. The grade school sustained damage to its roof and windows. The Methodist church lost its steeple. The Delaney Lumber Warehouse was ravaged. Bricks from the Howard Food Market covered the sidewalk and a nearby car. The cars of drivers seeking shelter from US-51 met similar fates, covered in bricks and other debris. Some drivers found themselves in peril as they tried to race the storm, their cars plucked and tossed from the highway, landing in nearby fields. Semis were overturned like toys. Homes were destroyed. Many were left without roofs or windows, including one in which the entire roof had been lifted off, but the chimney was left intact. One house was moved completely off its foundation. Another recently completed house was demolished while the family rode out the storm inside. They managed to escape serious injury. Another woman wasn't so lucky. She was killed when her kitchen collapsed, burying her. A trailer park at the center of town was completely wiped out. No trailers remained, only the debris of the lives they once contained. Mattresses, furniture, clothing, and household items. The Wapella Auction House, which had been built in 1962 and at the time also housed a restaurant, displayed the awesome and inexplicable power of the tornado. The concrete building had been demolished by the wind, much of the contents inside blown away. One of the items plucked by the tornado was a 30-inch gas stove. Yet it was reported that the stack of plastic throw rugs that had been next to it were still there, neat and untouched. Cars in the lot were flipped upside down and scattered. A 40-foot mobile home that had been parked next to the auction house was destroyed. No sign of any part of it ever found. However, a purse that had been inside the mobile home was discovered later in a field west of the highway, totally intact. The restaurant in the auction house was also destroyed. Drinking straws from the establishment had been hurtled through the air like missiles, embedding themselves into trees. Sadly, one woman in the restaurant was killed when the tornado flattened the building. With the storm passed, people emerged from where they'd taken shelter to find their town destroyed. They searched for friends and relatives and checked out the damage of their homes, businesses, and property. The high school gymnasium was turned into a shelter. With the phone lines down and the power out, it was nearly impossible for people to let loved ones in nearby towns know that they were okay, or for those loved ones to find out information about those in the path of the storm. 
To help facilitate these messages, local radio station WHOW stayed on the air all night, violating their FCC license to relay messages. People would call into the radio station to leave a message that they were safe, which would then be broadcast. Likewise, people looking for information about those who might have been in the path of the storm could have those inquiries broadcast and hopefully receive an answer. Some of those messages are now in the Vespasian Warner Library Archive. Also in the archive is a collection of pictures of the damage from that tornado that were donated by George Spray. The pictures show the stark devastation of the storm. As the storm left Wapella and headed for Farmer City, it destroyed and damaged every farm that lined its path. A culvert on the Farmer City Wapella blacktop collapsed, blocking the road. Tragically, two people in the Swisher Hill area died when they attempted to seek shelter from the storm under their trailer. Witnesses said that the storm hit so quickly in Farmer City that they didn't know whether or not it was a tornado or just high winds. Perhaps that was a good thing, since the damage was much less extensive. A few houses were destroyed, but most were spared any severe damage. More than one garage became a casualty of a fallen tree. Several cars met the same fate. The high school lost the roof on their new addition. At the Farmer City Fairgrounds, a livestock pavilion suffered likewise. Meanwhile, the grandstand roof collapsed under the bleachers. Another barn was demolished. A section in the western part of town flooded. Streets were closed due to downed trees. The power was also knocked out. The tornado did solve one problem for the city, though. A Main Street building that had long been in need of demolishing was reduced to rubble by the storm. Around 5.30 p.m. on May 15th, the tornado dissipated. The morning of May 16, 1968, dawned on destruction. In addition to the tornado damage, the area also suffered hail damage and flooding from the heavy rains. Though Clinton had been spared from the tornadoes, sections of the town were underwater. The cleanup effort, particularly in Wapella, was massive. Twelve crews were dispatched with chainsaws to begin clearing away the fallen trees from yards and streets. Hundreds of people, including a group of students from the Lincoln Christian College, descended on the town to help the cleanup efforts. Fire departments from the area sent men and equipment to help. Convoys of utility trucks streamed into the area. Power companies dispatched crews to help restore service with independent contract crews assisting them. The Illinois Power Company suffered considerable damage as 10 of their towers were blown down by the twister. It was also expected that nearly three-quarters of a mile of poles would have to be replaced. The high school gym, which had been converted into a Red Cross center, housed about 20 people the night of the storm. The next day, many people were still using it as a rest center as they helped clean up. The First Christian Church in Clinton became a central collection agency for donations for those affected by the storms. Workers would sort through the donations, and the Red Cross oversaw the distribution. Six weeks after the tornado, the Red Cross was able to close up its area disaster office. Insurance claims poured in almost immediately after the storm had passed. One insurance agent in Waynesville had to work out of his home because it had been slightly less damaged than his office. 
With the claims beginning to be paid out, the rebuilding and repair happened in earnest. Residents were still living in temporary trailers as the work continued, contractors working overtime in order to meet the job demands, with the most urgent repairs done first. One contracting company from Decatur had 25 jobs in the area. Some residents and business owners opted to downsize their new buildings. Many learned the value of being properly insured. Only a few relocated out of the area. A year later, scars from the storm remained, but the area was also showing its resilience. New homes had been built and businesses reopened. New trailers were moved in. And a curious landmark came to be. Peggy and J.B. Gardner's house, which stood on the north side of Wapella just off of US-51, was heavily damaged in the tornado. The devastation provided Peggy Gardner with an opportunity. She'd always wanted a purple house. And finally, her husband conceded, reasoning that if there was ever another tornado, it'd be easy to find their purple debris. The couple purchased the paint from Montgomery Ward, and the formula remained Peggy Gardner's secret until she sold the house in 1996. The new owners kept the house purple, and it remained that way until it was repainted beige in the 2010s. For over 40 years, that purple house stood out to travelers on US-51, a bright spot that emerged from a very dark May evening. George Spray's collection of pictures of the damage from the 1968 Wapella tornado are available to view online. On the Vespasian Warner Library webpage, click on Local History and Genealogy. In the Archives and Special Collections section, you'll find a link to archive.org. It will take you directly to the Vespasian Warner Library collection. You can search through the pictures by topic. The George Spray collection can be found under Tornado Damage, Wapella, Illinois, Wapella Tornado, or the year 1968. You can also watch director Bobby Perryman's Tales from the Archives video about the 1968 Wapella tornado on the Vespasian Warner Public Library's YouTube page or on the Facebook page. Just search for Vespasian Warner Public Library. Thank you for joining us. For more information about the Vespasian Warner Public Library District and to access the library's collection at archive.org, please go to vwarner.org.